0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of The Bible. Wait, what? Yes, this is the podcast that unravels the mysteries of the Bible's most perplexing, puzzling, and thought-provoking passages. My name is Rowan, and each session I'm joined by a member of our team at C3 Church, Camden, Picton, and Thoreau, as they quiz me on top of the more complicated, confusing, challenging, and even confronting passages that we read in our weekly Bible reading plan. understand that reading the Bible can be a challenging and perplexing experience many people just don't know where to start they get confused and so they give up well that's why this podcast exists to equip you with the tools and the knowledge to explore the richness and depth of the Bible for yourself so grab your Bible take a deep breath and join us as we explore this week's passages To learn more about us or to get in touch with us at C3Church Camden, Picton and Thoreal, visit any of our three locations websites, that's c3camden.church, c3picton.church and c3thoreal.church or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube just by searching for any of our locations names. So without any further delay, let's dive into today's conversation.
1: Podcast land. Hey everyone, good <laughs> to be with you again. My name is Kenny Bartley. It's a real honor to be here today with the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> you're very <laughs> it's kind. It's Pastor Ken. Rowan.
0: <laughs> Which bit's myth? <laughs> the myth Maybe is we'll actually know what I'm today. talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the man with more information than I've ever heard in my entire life oh. on the Bible.
0: And you're very kind. Um, There's still so much we don't know. Of course.
1: Well, there's a lot that I don't know. Yeah. That's what my being, why I've been picked today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's your turn.
1: My questions might be coming from the layman's person. Oh, that's what you
0: want. <laughs> that's what I'm passionate about, Kenny, is people being able to uh, discover the mind, the riches of the depths of God's word for themselves. So it's great to have you. Oh, I'm excited. Um,
1: for the listeners, I would just like to say that I've been a Christian for quite a few years, but... I'm only diving deeper into the Bible recently. And you're doing a great so <laughs> job. <laughs> so I'm starting to get more and more excited about it, which is great. And um, this is a good chance for me just to ask a few questions and to work things out as I go along. So I hope you guys out there in podcast land enjoy today's yeah, episode.
0: Yeah, great to get into it today, Kenny. What have you got for us? We're going to be diving into
1: uh, the week of. 24th of April to the 30th of April, and uh, it is all about the Comforter. Jesus, Jesus. is it about Jesus being the
0: Comforter, the Holy Spirit. This is our Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit theme. We, oh, we, we, are, we are in go. a theme leading up to Pentecost Sunday, so our theme is the Holy oh Spirit. Gosh, don't get me talking about the good old
1: Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's where we're
0: going today, <laughs> brother. I'm excited.
1: Well, let's dive into uh, Monday, the 24th. Yep. And we might start by talking about Judges 15. And we might start by talking about Judges 15. Judges 15. That will be the story of Samson. It's a cracker. It's it's a bit in the middle of Samson and I... When I got to this, I went back to Judges fourteen, yep. just to read a little bit, and I was like, uh, "A lot of Samson is brutal." My first word was "brutal."
0: Brutal is a really good. A really I think brutal. I might have been saying this to Genie in the previous week. It amazes me that Samson is held up as the Bible hero in Sunday school classes because the guy is anything but a hero. I
1: just, I <laughs> kind of don't get it. And I and I said about Judges fourteen that it was strange with the riddle yep. about the honey and the Out lime of the and, and how it went eat. on so long, why he was trying to yep. bust people's brains about it, yep. and then why he would be so keen on this woman, marry her, and then go back to his father's yeah. house and Weirdly just leave her. Weird. Yeah, so yep. that, that that's the prefix to the story in um, Judges 15 when... Um, the father of the lady gives mm. the father of his wife. You don't, don't have her name, do we?
0: No, I don't think we do. We know no. Delilah, the yeah. next wife, the but next we one. don't know the original woman's w- name. No. Um, it's, woman. it's a messed up We don't know story. the original
1: woman's name, but her father ends up giving her to another man. Yes, correct. To, to the name.
0: best man. To the best. It's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's screwed days up, of it? our lives. Yeah, it's like days <laughs> of our lives, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then Samson comes back. Uh, The first words that I put about this passage was uh, animal brutality. Animal brutality.
0: (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs)
1: Because Samson comes back. I mean, it's titled Judges 15 is Samson's Vengeance on the Philistines. Oh, this
0: is the foxes, isn't it? Yeah,
1: this is the foxes. So Samson comes back, finds out that um, his wife's been given away to his best man and goes absolutely berserk. Yeah. The dad says, I was so sure you hated her.
0: So I gave her away to To your your best man. Yeah.
1: Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Wow. <laughs> Loving father, hey.
0: Oh my goodness. And
1: then Samson says to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. So that, does that imply that before he was just playing around killing all the Philistines? <laughs> you I can really uh, harm him.
0: Uh, I, love, I love your um, just simple perspective on this scripture because it's pretty challenging. It's very confronting. This, this whole book of Judges is very much that way. It's a yeah. downward decline. In, uh, in the morality of a nation that said originally they would, ser- they would serve God. Just prior to this, we finished the book of Joshua with the famous verses, Joshua 24, where he calls the people of Israel late in his life. He says, I want you to serve the Lord. I ask for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And they all say, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. And then it begins. The downward spiral begins very quickly where they say, um, but they forgot about God. The generation that knew God died out and another generation arose that did not know God or his ways. And they spiral into anarchy. No, nothing better to say, no other way to put it than anarchy. And Samson is just part of that spiral downwards. There's he, just
1: so much to me and this. That is so much senseless slaughter. Yeah. And like you said, th-
0: he takes these foxes and I mean, it's a horrible picture, isn't oh, it? 300. Yeah. 300 foxes ties them. To to ta- how do you even tie foxes' <laughs> tails together? <laughs> it's just and then he lights them up. And then he lights them up, yeah. Um, so I think it's worth saying that it is animal brutality. Yeah. And it's this kind of confronting stuff when we read the Old Testament that is an assault, and it should be an assault to our senses. If we're not troubled by this, we're missing something. And maybe today, in, in today's world, we're so accustomed to watching you know ancient medieval fantasy fiction and all that kind of stuff so we we sort of see this but never lose sight of the fact that this is not um this is not people operating in God's way this is this is more about a picture of God the book of judges is more about a picture of God working and continuing to work out his plan despite the messes and the failings of his people
1: this was one of my questions like what is the meaning of a story like this i mean in the end he does bring down a lot of philistines yep but um you know some of these stories are just slaughter i mean it, it always does go back to, but i always a lot of the time i use the old testament to go wow isn't it amazing the new testament that the plan everything was restored yeah and that now we we're not living in those times not yep. just in ancient times but in the times when they used to have to splash a bit of blood on a Yes. Door and do yep. all these crazy all rituals. Those rituals. Yep. And um, how good is Jesus and God's plan? Yeah. Which is always, when I read the Old Testament, I'm like, that is so harsh. But how good is the full circle of God's plan? Oh, Kenny, that's, that's a great way to look Which at it. Which Fred my friend. so beautifully talked about in his sermon a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, was yeah. that was for those of you who were at C3 the rule Fred spoke so well about that attitude and, mm. and yes that is um, that is a case in point what we're talking about here you, to read this be confronted by it allow it to assault your, asen- your senses really and go I can't believe people live that way but then see well despite that God worked and continued to work his plan out and that brings us forward into our own lives And it could, rather than getting self-righteous about it and going oh we would never do that it, it forces me, at least for me, it forces me to look at myself and go, what don't I know? These guys thought this was a normal practice. This kind of living, this kind of anger, this kind of pompous attitude that Samson had. This, now I've got a right to get even I've with the Philistines. i got a right to yeah.
1: tie 300 foxes yeah, Exactly.
0: <laughs> and I think if we can be thinking about it, not yes, let, let that confront us, but also let's have a humility to realize we don't know what we don't know yet. And it encourages me to stay close to Jesus and continue to want to reflect his heart, the turn yeah. the other cheek, the love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemy mentality, which is so opposite to what we see. I know. Well, in these when stories. you look at
1: what happened next, the people ended up burning his ex-wife. Y- yeah, that, that was his own people did that. Like the, sorry, people. not Samson, yeah. the Philistines. Yeah, the Philistines did it. Yeah, And then he ends up, slaughtering a thousand men with a donkey's yeah. jawbone.
0: Yeah. Talk about an anger issue. Yeah. And he th- he at
1: the end of the one, something I didn't realize, at the end of the chapter it says that Samson then led Israel for 20 years. Hmm. And I thought, I didn't know that. Okay. I thought he was just a blip. No, he A blip he, 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 in the yeah. Bible mythology, you know? No, he had. He went on after that. Uh, No, he. It was was during
0: during his. This was all happening during that time because he Mm -hmm. died at the end of probably the next chapter. I'm guessing chapter sixteen. He dies after he, um, you know, after he pulls down the pulls down the pillars of a temple and knocks it down on himself and kills thousands of Philistines in the process. Um, But yeah, I'd say it says he's lived for twenty years during that time. Yeah, yeah. So allow it to confront you, Um, but then. Recognize, put it back into its context, Kenny. It's always good with these Old Testament passages. We've talked about this already with Jeannie in the early episodes. It's important that we don't uh, judge and criticize a uh, 1400 BC culture against 21st century AD culture. Um, We live in a culture that is the benefit of 2000 years of Christian history that has brought about Far from perfect, but has brought about some mor- mor- uh, morality that is a much higher standard. This is still a pretty appalling standard at any time, but even in this time, it was it was pretty bad. <laughs> Very bad.
1: Now let's move on to romans 16 which is the other chapter verse for monday the 24th
0: uh, yes this is uh, now
1: it's a, i mean some of these chapters are huge so yep. i it's just a list
0: of names a lot of romans 16 isn't yeah, it yeah yes yeah, yeah. So
1: i got down to this it used to be part of a homegrown song in c3 through yep. um verse 25 which It just kind of stirs me up. When I used to sing this song, now to him, I'm saying it from the English Standard Version. I like the way it's worded. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ I am. I and think. you had that as a C
0: three through all song.
1: It was like a bridge Yep. in a, in a homegrown one from okay. Ray and Rachel Blass. Right. May you listen one day to this podcast. You were awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and we used to sing that, this bridge, and I just remember every time I sang it, I'd get really stirred up. It's a great benediction, it a very, isn't it? Um, there's another word where it says the church, something about the church in there, another... Um,
0: in that particular spot,
1: yeah, in that particular verse, but maybe in a different um, thing of the Bible. The church, oh, anyway. Never mind. Never mind. This is the the well, layman. The, the
0: reference there to the God revealing His plan to the Gentiles, a plan set, kept secret from the beginning of time, that is a reference to the That's church. It. Yeah. So that is basically saying God had, had His plan, the church. He, Paul often talks about this mystery. Um, and that's probably what you're talking about. He refers to this mystery that has been hidden. He uses it in numbers of his letters. What was that mystery that was hidden? And he says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, he says in Colossians. The mystery revealed. The mystery revealed. You'll see it a lot. And what it means is the mystery was that God was always going to redeem the world through his church, through his hidden people, the church. I love it. Yeah. It
1: stirs me up. And to, to him who is able. Oh, yes. That That alone says a lot to me yeah
0: that, that should feed our faith when we read that to him who is able this sense of our God is able amen that's it amen and be encouraged by that it's worth noting too just as a, for, a, for a deeper study as, as you read through this long list of greetings that the Apostle Paul gives um, what is most noticeable in this list is that it's hidden in our probably hidden a lot in our language is that there is a startling number of women in this list. This is one of the greatest chapters in favor of equality for women, shows that Paul had a heart to use women in ministry. In fact Phoebe was uh, the lady who was actually charged with taking this letter to Rome and reading it to them. So she was so trusted by Paul that when she would read the letter, a person who would read a letter didn't just stand up and go, hear ye, hear ye, thus saith Paul, and sit down. They were responsible for then fielding questions from the congregation about the letter, hey, what did Paul mean when he said in Romans eight that you know all things work together for good or whatever it might be he she was charged with teaching the people, and yeah it 's big, so it shows that uh, and there 's numbers of numbers of women in this passage in fact, throughout history, a few people have even tried to a few people who have trouble with women in ministry have even tried to change the names of some of these people and make them masculine names, but they were actually feminine so there is I can't remember all of the ones they've done that to but um, suffice to say there are a lot of uh, women I think it's Junius I think is one of the names that they try to masculinize the name but scholars know it was a feminine name wow so lots of women that's full on yeah which is a good thing so
1: yeah, and I as a as simple Ken, just sort of flick through that thinking that's just Paul saying Hello to oh, all these men. Hello to and he's actually <laughs> talking to lots of his,
0: yeah, lots of women in amongst that list. Yeah, it's not just all men by any stretch of the imagination.
1: He does tend to go on a little bit with his greetings and yeah. his stuff. It's very, it's very
0: proper. Is it proper?
1: Oh, I is don't he know. Ticking all the boxes, or is that just? Oh, that's a his good language? question.
0: Um, I don't know for sure. I'd have to have a think about it. My thoughts on it might be just if you if you imagine, I mean, he's not he's not picking up Zoom and having Zoom meetings with the team at Rome all the time, so this is his chance to write a letter to these people and make it count. Make it right. And he probably thinks I would be thinking if I was him, I'd be thinking I don't want to miss anybody. Yeah. In fact, there's one story in Corinthians where he says something like, um, "I am glad that I didn't um, baptize any of you except uh, Stephanus and his household." Oh yeah, and I also. Baptised Crispus and his household too. Beyond that, I don't actually remember if I baptised anybody else. <laughs> but I have, as he's as he's dictating his language, he's thinking along the lines of, "I don't want to miss anybody." He's very inclusive in his thinking, yeah. very being very fatherly, very pastoral. He's a
1: pretty smart guy.
0: Oh, one one of the most intelligent people that's probably ever lived. That was he? an understatement. He's yeah. a pretty smart guy. He's a very, very smart. <laughs> yeah, a lot of scholars think he's one of the most smartest men that's ever lived. His ability to master the the Greek language to bring to Greek and Hebrew thought together, extraordinary. Yeah. Shall we move on to Let's Tuesday move
1: on. the 25th? Shall we move on to Let's Tuesday move on. the 25th
0: We are We are April. flying through this, Kenneth. Am I going too fast? I love it. After not Jeannie, for you listening, not that I had any problems with us going real slow <laughs> with you, but this is good. Our listeners will probably be able to stick us out, stick
1: We've it out. We've got now. a bit of a cross-section of the church. Yeah, we're going to have different people
0: <laughs> bringing different different ideas. That's right.
1: I mean, I don't know. I, I definitely have... I mean, Jeannie is a very smart person. Jeannie here, some, she gets right into she it. She
0: gets it in deep into some things, which We've is... Got, Great me
1: just starting to get into it. I've probably just got a lot of uh, weird questions. Oh no, there's no <laughs> weird or dumb questions, Kenny. So um in Tuesday the 25th we have judges 16. So we're back to Samson's which is story all about the demise of Samson and, and and Delilah getting the truth out of him which Goes for
0: a while. Oh, yeah, the whole cut your hair. Yeah. Oh, if I, you know, if I weave my hair together in a certain way, or if I get tied up with bowstrings that have never been all that sort of stuff. Yeah.
1: One of my questions was, why is this part of the Bible? Why, why are they <laughs> rabbiting on? Why does Delilah don't have to know. go back like a, like a skit? It's like a skit.
0: Yeah, you know? it is. I, I don't know for certain. Um, what I've come to realize is that the Bible authors. Uh, are very intentional about what they say. So we sort of touched on this a little bit in, in previous episodes too with Jeannie, I think. Whether or not the stories are to be taken purely literally or, or allow for some poetic license in the way the story is told to illustrate a point, I'm not totally sold one way or another. I used to believe 100% that you had to believe exactly what it said. If it said that Samson laid down and she tied the hair together and wove it, you know, weaved it into the loom and all that kind of stuff, then it must have happened. It probably did, but I'm not as bothered by it if that wasn't a literal story, which would allow you to have that bit of flexibility around around this story.
1: Lila's a bit of a seductress, and, and she's not. Uh, I, in, at the bottom, I put it's a sad story because he loves her or, or likes her, yes. and she just deceives him the whole way through.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're probably plays prob- on his heartstrings. Yeah, I think you're probably right in this one. She she does definitely. The picture that's being painted is that she's playing on his heartstrings. Oh, you don't love me, and all this sort of stuff. In fact, the previous wife said the same thing. You don't love me. You've told your parents a riddle, and you haven't even told me. and um so I, I guess I guess what I'd be wary of doing is is just reading that through a um an anti woman stance. I think um I think we need to realise it was written scriptures were written um with a male aspect involved. Kenny's just shooing flies away. Was a um, that was <laughs> whether or not it was written with that perspective in, in mind as they were writing it, they were kind of thinking about uh You know how i blame the woman because she was the one who caused samson to sin i I think we have enough sense to realize that's not the case i mean samson the character we see of samson is he's he screwed up himself Um, but yes he definitely falls for delilah in in many ways i think from memory i haven't read read immediately prior to this but I'm, i'm pretty sure that uh the philistines come to delilah Yes, and they that do. Yep. And, and,
1: they, and they strike a deal with her for yeah. a certain amount of money. Yeah, know. that's right, to yeah. to corrupt him, basically. Yeah, 100 yeah. coins of yeah. silver, I think. What,
0: you m- like what we may not realise, but if you put it in its cultural context, is that they might have offered her money, but I suspect that they might not have offered her a choice either. Uh, you know, we saw that in the previous passage. Get Samson to tell us the riddle or we'll kill you. You know, so I suspect... You would be pretty scared of Samson oh, after you'd he's you'd slaughtered a thousand people with yep, her. Yep, her exactly. yep, exactly. Yep. Um. so why is it in the bible I think just allowing for the fact that if you're prepared to mind the riches there'll be significance in this story um, but at its basic practical functional level these stories in judges I think a good place to start if you're fairly new to the Old Testament especially is to look at them as character references char- character studies in what to do and what not to do that's a good, good place to start. Point. Point. Just look at it and go, well, what's the deal here? You know, what, what was going on inside Car- Samson's heart that he allowed himself to go back on his oaths? And why
1: would he tell the truth in the end? Yeah,
0: why did he do that in the end? What, what was going on inside his heart that mm. finally got fed up and he told her the truth and it cost him dearly. Um, well, he got his eyes gouged out. He got his eyes gouged out <laughs> and ultimately, <laughs> so it's pretty, that's called costing dearly. So the brutal part. Yeah. So I think a good place to start with these stories is to do a character study in in mm. the right and wrong of behaviour, but understand too, as I said a moment ago, avoid the risk of distancing ourselves and going, oh, I can never do that, because um, because he is a product of his culture. We are all products of our culture, and what we do, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what impact our culture is having on us. You know, people go back 300, 400 years to the abolition of the slave trade. Good people in the UK could not fathom the concept of abolishing the slave trade because their entire economy was set on it. These were Christians who thought that was the normal, that thing was the normal practice. Yeah. And it took a band of brave Christians, the Clapham sect, to stand up and go, no, this isn't. This isn't right, this is not even though the Bible talks about slavery that's not the heart of God, and they had to argue that through and wrestle with that themselves and then and then wrestle with it and, and change the parliament and change people 's thinking and three hundred years on from that we just we know that's not right, which makes me think that's great, but I wonder what we don 't know now that others in the future will find out wow. because we are stuck in our moment in time, so uh, know just stay humble read these studies and go lord where where might i be blind to what might i not be seeing in my world about the way you do things about you just heart?
1: reminded me how at when i was at primary school we buried a tube in the ground and we put little notes to ourselves in the future oh the like time capsule we, the time thing we did a time capsule yeah imagine if we could do a time capsule now for. for yeah,
0: exactly good ahead. thought good thought yeah should do a C three can picked and through all doctrinal. That's a uh, blowing my mind a little bit, past the wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, you know, keep keeping it really simple. We could dig deep into it, but keeping it simple and going, let's let's think through how do we how do we evaluate these in terms of their context and then challenge ourselves about our context.
1: And th- so Judges sixteen finishes with Samson. I, I have a picture of him chained to the pillars, yeah. This is when he brings yes. the pillars yep. down on everybody. Yep. Is there a significance to that, him? Is it a temple?
0: It's a temple. It's a temple yeah, they to... brought him
1: out to parade him.
0: They, they brought him out to parade him, basically, yeah. to show him off and yeah. say, look, God, our God Dagon has given us uh, victory over our enemy. I think it says something yeah. like that. And, uh, and he
1: calls out to the Lord.
0: And he, yep, and he said, give me my, my strength back. back, back that yeah. I might take vengeance for my two eyes, is what he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a temple. So the picture here is that in the middle of this, God is still causing judgment against the gods, the pagan gods, that were corrupting people. So, when you're reading the Old Testament stories, whether that's Judges, Joshua, Judges, or Samuel, Samuel's and Kings and Chronicles, uh, the the more violent history stuff, always remember that that um, God is judging powers, the principality, the spiritual powers behind. These foreign gods are spiritual powers that have designed to corrupt humanity, have desired to bring out the worst hatred and anger and anti-kingdom of God values in humanity. Yeah, And God is judging those spiritual, spiritual powers. So when he brings judgment on Dagon, the god Dagon, I think Dagon keeps falling over in the temple and has his hands broken off and yeah. all that. And uh, this happens in does uh, this happen? Somewhere else in Samuel, I think it is, uh, a little bit later on. But God is bringing judgment against these enemy spiritual powers, which are corrupting humans. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So just keep that in mind as well. That's another thing that's going on. It's d- like a,
1: a, an over-the-top thing that's going on constantly, even though all this other stuff is going on underneath. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great way. Great and way it's also another
0: through. way, I think I might have touched on this, it's also another way, it's not the only way, but it's one way to wrestle with the violence that you see often in the name of god so joshua conquering the promised land in the name of god and and samson killing the philistines and bringing deliverance in the name of god i'm not saying this is the only way but one way you can reconcile this why is this so violent is that yes it is violent and god is working within the culture and the time of of that time frame and what they understood and he's also bringing judgment against Uh, those people and the gods they worship fully knowing that as horrible as that violence is now left to their own course over hundreds of years they would become worse and their violence would spread even further so it's almost like God's going it's almost an act of grace that he is he does actually bring judgment against it because otherwise more innocent people would suffer
1: wow it's a great little. I'm seeing the Star Wars, the start of the Star Wars episodes when the words trail in an explanation, like over some o- of those, like what God might be saying. Over, oh, so said overarching
0: over these stories. Good yeah, way so
1: it. Certain generations, and then here we are in the, the time common theme of, of redemption. Yeah, yeah, yep, it it's right. We're up to episode five. Charlton judges. <laughs> doing the voiceover. <laughs> That'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: Charlton has done his fair share of Bible stuff. Yes. Yeah, he did Moses and he did ben- Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur.
1: All right, so um, the other chapter
0: yep. for Tuesday the
1: 25th is 2 Corinthians 1. <laughs> the other Chapter
0: yep. for Tuesday the twenty fifth is Second Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians one, the introduction to Second Corinthians, which is probably third or fourth Corinthians. Just uh, which uh, we yeah, have right. letters missing that we yeah. don't know about. I actually, I read
1: a lot in the NIV this
0: morning. You read it but in the NIV. I know that
1: the start of this had the word comfort and comforts. Yes, God comforts many all. times. He does. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yep. Which was beautiful. I think I put down. Explain verse six. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our, yeah,
0: so you wanted an explanation on what you think Paul a might little be saying bit, there. Like
1: it's kind of there must be more to it because it's it's, it's kind yeah. of so simple that it.
0: Sure. Well, let's read it in its context and see if we can do a bit of a Bible study on it. We'll go yep. back to verse three. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and your salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we certainly will comfort you then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer we're confident that as you share in our sufferings you will also share in the comfort god gives us so that puts it in a bit of context so rephrase your question rephrase your question again I just put, please explain. what um, Verse 6. Yeah, but what kind
1: of Bible are you reading out of? Oh, that was the New Living Translation. Oh, the new, the you were in the NIV. That's, yeah, I'm in yep. the NLT. That's all right. I like the um, New Living Translation.
0: It's quite a good, expo- yeah. s- more simple explanation. And when you went
1: back to verse 3, it almost explained it because it's like a lead on into.
0: Yeah, so it's just a simple thing, it. Kenny. It always, if you, if you get like you would have been doing, you're reading through it and you go, well, what's that verse 6 mean? put it back in its context, read it in its context and just go and allow it to speak to you within the framework of what it's saying, which is what you do with any other story that you read. Follow the track back until you get the most recent change in thought process. And that's obviously verse three. Verse two is his general introduction. May God the Father bless you with grace and peace. Then he begins. So find that, put it in its context. So let's, let's look at it. He 2 Corinthians 1, he's writing to a Cori- the Corinthian church who it would appear is going through some kind of discomfort. If you look at, you know, yeah. it, at the face value there, some kind of discomfort, and he's wanting to bring encouragement to them, even though they're facing trials and they're facing challenges. He's pr- probably saying to them, hey, guys, you're not alone. We face that too. In fact paul's probably writing this um when he's in prison
1: this is one of his prison ones
0: uh it, i'm just trying to think is it one of his prison ones uh galatians ephesians galatians is in ephesians philippians colossians they are i'm not sure if it is or not i can't recall i think it might be uh, i think it might be but i'm not 100 certain without checking the context but in any case He's, going through, he's saying, look, we're facing all kinds of suffering. And the reason we as apostles face this suffering is so that we can discover God's comfort in the middle of suffering and then we can understand your suffering. He's, between, reading between the lines, he's saying, hey, guys, you're suffering. But guess what? We're suffering more. But by God's grace, we can endure what we're suffering so that we can not tell you to get over it, but that we can actually bring comfort to you. And I think for me as a as a pastor as a leader i know that my the things i have learned about comforting others have co- ha, have my best comfort comes from the fact that i've been through hardships myself i think back as a young leader when you know everything was rosy and i hadn't had any significant challenges in my world how arrogant i probably was and how judgmental hmm. of people i probably was but having been through some challenges and having some you know experience ministry and and the challenges of ministry and family dramas and all that kind of stuff what it does is it it brings you a humility and you rely on god's grace and comfort and then i'm able to then take that and hopefully make my ministry to others about how i can comfort them
1: that's a great explanation and i'm reading it now i'm thinking about a few troubles that are weighing me down at the moment and um At the start of these troubles, I was just like, how's this going to help anything? Yeah. But as I'm walking my way through them, with God by my side, I'm starting to think, whatever the outcome of these troubles is, I have to make sure that you are part of it.
0: Yeah, it's great, Kenny.
1: Part of the testimony, what I'm going through could end up in not a very good way. Maybe an operation for something. of Podcasters, Uh, I've got something wrong with my neck and it could be Coming to an now operation. This is a man who's really had hip replacements. Yeah, and, and I really hoped it wouldn't, but now it's might. And I'm saying, well, if it does, how am I going to give God glory yeah. in this anyway? And, you know, thank you for walking with me, Lord.
0: Yes. Through it. Yeah. But uh, at
1: the start, I was like, why? This is.
0: Yeah. Why? And yeah. we all do. Yeah. So I think if you can, it, there's no easy answer to this stuff, but it's very clear that there is suffering. Mm-hmm. There is hardship in life, but God's redemptive. And what keeps me going oftentimes is through my own hardships. When I feel like, oh, this is all too hard. I could do, I could find a different way out of this. It could be a whole lot easier. My driving factor is no. It's always about other people. Mm. I always find if I can keep other people, yeah. whether that's the people in our church, people we minister to, our family. If we can keep other people um, the priority, that will drive me to go through what i need to go through because i'll go god this isn't about me this is about me being able to add value to other people's lives and comfort them
1: well, that is awesome yeah you
0: heard that first podcast
1: people <laughs> that's a brilliant answer uh, uh thanks kenny i think um that that's just sort of put my thinking my perspective a little bit twisted yeah. like a, the uh, right mate, the better way that's good
0: my perspective gets twisted i need to preach it to myself <laughs> right now as well kenny so yeah, no,
1: that's a beautiful one
0: that's what the power of god's word is as we spend time reflecting on it
1: mm. wow that's good i didn't think we'd get that much out of tuesday i didn't have that many questions <laughs> 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 well tuesday view. we're two-fifths of the way there let's <laughs> keep going move on to Wednesday. Oh,
0: Isaiah 40 now. Uh, comfort, comfort my people. As we get
1: to Isaiah, I want just a little bit of a quick rundown of who Isaiah was. Oh,
0: <laughs> a quick rundown <laughs> yeah. of who Isaiah was.
1: John Finkelty out there, if you're listening. Is he the guy who loved Isaiah? Oh, John's, no? <laughs> uh, John's uh, let's
0: just say John's not a fan of Isaiah. Let's just put it that way. He <laughs> says that it's... um what did he say? It's a box of, it's a, it's a bag, it's bags of milk arrowroot biscuits with the occasional tim tam stuck in. <laughs> I think it's way. It, you know?
1: <laughs> it's got a lot of chapters. Yes, yeah,
0: 66 chapters. Same oh. number of chapters as there is books.
1: At Isaiah 40 has 31 verses.
0: Yes, it does. So let me, let me give you a, a simple how, how analogy on who Isaiah is. <laughs> well, I can't give you a simple 100% watertight. Now, I can tell you who, who Isaiah was.
1: Is he in the lineage? Uh, no, no, he's
0: actually uh, no, he's actually from the priestly line. I think. I the think the Levites. The Levites. I think he's. Oh no, he's not. No, I think you're right. I think he is. I think he's from the tribe of Judah. I think he is part of the royal. Not in the line, but he's part of the royal family. I think that's my understanding off the top of my head. Um, but he lived uh, and prophesied during the reigns of the, um, Jotham, Hezekiah, Ahaz... That's a few. Four, 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 four different <laughs> reigns. I think you read this in Isaiah chapter one, probably. Is that the
1: king's or from one side? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So,
0: reign. let me go back to Isaiah chapter one, verse While one. While you
1: do that, one, in my notes, I've put, who was
0: Isaiah? Because boy, did he hear the word of the Lord. Oh, yes, he did. This is right. <laughs> Isaiah okay, one, like one, one. These are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amoz, concern, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So four kings. So he was an old man by the time he was done. He was wow. probably a young man at the beginning.
1: Like, was he in a trance for his whole life? No, you know, no, he wasn't. amazing.
0: He was, yeah, a lot of visions. Um, yeah. he, he saw a lot of, uh, he, he, he actually prophesied during a time of great upheaval. So um, he had Uzziah, who was a godly king. Jotham, who was his son, who I think was okay. Has the grandson, the third one, he was bad news. Evil in the Lord's He, eyes. he was <laughs> evil. He was very evil. He he did uh, trauma. He did some horrible things, including offering his his son uh, as a sacrifice. And yeah, one of those They're ones. The worst. Um, and yeah, very very wicked, evil, wayward man. And his son Hezekiah, who became king because his previous son, his previous his older brother had been. Offered as a sacrifice, so so Hezekiah end up inheriting it, and and he turned back to the Lord. Hezekiah turned back to the Lord, despite a couple of generation or two of horrible stuff going on. So he 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 prophesied to this period of time where it's tremendous upheaval. The Northern Kingdom. Um, of, Jew, of Israel during this time actually gets carried off into exile to, uh, to to the Assyrians and the tribe of Judah the southern kingdom survives for another 150 years after this but this is a very tumultuous time and he's he's prophesying to God's people and most of the time he's talking about judgment against their poor treatment of the poor, the widow, the foreigner and the orphan basically the marginalized the, the rich abusing and, uh, and controlling the poor the, the lack of kingdom of God, values that were evident in the nation at the time. And he's speaking to that stuff. And wow. all the while he's bringing, he's pronouncing God's uh, judgment against that evil, but also weaving it through with messages of hope.
1: And he's also prophesying about Jesus. He is. He's prophesying future, about Messiah. He? So yeah, some, of, yeah, Messiah. some of the
0: clearest developing theology about who the Messiah was comes out of Isaiah's books. Isaiah is the, is the prophet who is most quoted in the New Testament. Mm. Um, Uh, Now, that's the simple answer to who Isaiah was. The more confusing or complex answer, which uh, I'm fully aware even saying, and I'm not saying I'm an expert on this, but I'm fully aware saying this may upset some people. Opening
1: up a Uh, can of worms. I am
0: opening up a can of worms. But he's going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) This is the type of guy I'm going to do it anyway. Um, (laughs) Scholars are divided. Let's put it that way. I'm going to not appeal to myself. I'm going to appeal to the, the scholars. Scholars are divided about whether or not the, pro- the book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters, are actually written by one person or multiple people. Okay. It would appear that it's all one person.
1: Is the one person Isaiah? Isaiah, yeah.
0: It would appear that even Jesus thought, or at least John, I think it is who quotes on Jesus, he, he talks about Isaiah and he says, Isaiah says in one part and Isaiah says in another part. And he quotes the Isaiah saying, I think it's John 11. He says, Isaiah says in two different places. So in their mind, at least they thought that it was the one person. With the benefit of modern day textual criticism skills, science of scriptures and understanding how ancient writings were done, there is a there's a school of thought out there that says it was probably not one person. It was probably at least two, if not up to four different people. If that's the case, you got to rec- wrestle with that a little bit. What does that all mean? Prophets, those four people, or yeah, all those prophets. People. Yeah, yeah. That, and it could be, which seems foreign to us. And, it's, and this is why it's probably an assault to our senses. It seems with, with what we understand today about, um, about modern day um, plagiarism, how dare you claim <laughs> to have written something in the name of somebody else wow. when it's your name. But I think in that culture, it's actually a little, a little different to that. In that culture, it was almost like an accepted thing. In fact, it was almost an honorary thing to be claiming to speak in, the, under the name of. Would
1: they have said in the time of Isaiah or under the?
0: Well, know? I think that they actually. This is why it's confusing. I think they actually claim to be Isaiah. Wow. Now we we get confused by that because I we do. go, how is that the the right thing to do? Yeah. But it seems that that's what they were doing. If. If we take that Like Stephen
1: King claiming to be Dean Coots or something. It like might that. be. It's like someone else <laughs> claiming to be a different <laughs> author. Yeah,
0: exactly. So that was the, the long answer to who Isaiah was. Okay. Um, I'm no expert on textual criticism. I've listened to both arguments. Uh, I used to be a big advocate for it must be the same person and all that textual criticism is wrong. And that was coming from my, my quite my very black and white perspective. While I certainly don't presume to now be an expert in saying it's not that, I'm far more. I'm comfortable with the fact because I know how the Bible has been written now, and it, how it was finally put together in its in its orig- in its final context, or the Old Testament was. That I'm quite comfortable with the fact that that God was still telling His story through the cultural up uh, standards of the time, including the fact that there may have been more than one person claiming to be. Isaiah.
1: Wow. that's a lot more um, to it than I thought yeah that's
0: why I knew that when it was a hard, quick question even thought, while
1: I'm hearing that I'm thinking of other questions too like uh, some of the other prophets in their prophecies they're also travelling around and stuff but yep. Isaiah just, it's like he's just yeah, reading I think out his prophecy. I think he is Don't hear about him travelling around no
0: I think he spends it, certainly it appears that he spends most of his time in Ju- mm. in Jerusalem Yeah, and he's prophesying to Judah uh, in yeah, Jerusalem tenderly to Jerusalem yeah and he's talking to Jerusalem's the capital. He's, he's actually prophesying. If he's a member of the royal household, which I think he probably was or accepted at a high level in the royal household, he obviously had some level of being able to speak to those in authority. Not all the prophets did. I think Micah, some guy, he goes to prophesy to the kings of Israel and they say to Micah, who do you think you are? He goes, oh, I'm a nobody. I'm just a shepherd.
1: I'm going <laughs> to be asking about him as well. Oh, uh, yeah? Okay. But, but, <laughs> he, but this yeah. guy
0: had some level of authority. Okay.
1: Yep. So my other question to do with Isaiah 40 and we continue in Isaiah a bit, uh, I think in the next month, was um, what is Zion? So what is Zion? I mean, for me, uh, podcasters, I first heard of Zion in my Bob Marley days, (laughs) (laughs) Lion in Zion. (coughs) But I I noticed that in Isaiah, it goes on about Zion a lot and I'll talk about the other bits later. Sure.
0: Zion is just another name for Jerusalem. So it's that, it's simple. that simple. Mount Zion was the name of the mountain upon which Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem okay. was built. And yeah. so whenever you see that, it becomes known as that. So in, in the history, of you might have heard of the Zionist movement, which is actually a movement no. that... No, so the Zionist movement was a movement that began in the late 1800s um, uh, among, in, among Jewish U- European Jews with a desire to move back to the Holy Land and t- move back to Israel. Back to Palestine, as it was called at the time, and so they became known as the Zionists. And even today, you'll often hear um Arabs refer to the Jews as Zionists. Wow. But it just comes from it just a term. Uh, it probably has more meaning than that. Let's let's just uh, let's Will just we ever ask, touch on Rastafarianism in on the podcast. Rastaf, and I don't why even Bob Marley. Oh,
1: because you know, Bob Marley has. I'm not an references expert. To, um, Jesus and Zion and you know, yeah,
0: well, Bob, Marley, didn't, Bob Marley was a Christian. Genius, well, you, yeah. If you're
1: listening, maybe we could devote a podcast to <laughs> Bob Marley and Christianity
0: one day. Let's just see what chat GPT has to say about oh, what I was waiting for. GPT. <laughs> there we go. Let's just see. Cause it'll give us, it'll give us an answer. What does, I haven't got my glasses on. Let me find my glasses, throwing things away now. What does Zion mean? Zion has several meanings, depending on the context. In the Bible, Zion is named often used for Jerusalem, the holy city of the Jewish people or a synonym for the land of Israel. Two, Zion is also a term for some Christian denominations who refer to the heavenly city or the dwelling place of God. That is a reference to Hebrews 11, I think it is, or Hebrews 10 that says you haven't come to a mountain. You have come to Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. So they're picking up the temple and bringing it into the modern. Context Chapter number three Zionism is a political movement That emerged in the late 19th century There we go You'd think I was looking this up Wouldn't you Kenny (laughs) Advocating (laughs) for the establishment Of a Jewish homeland In the historical land of Israel Which ultimately led (laughs) What's that?
1: You are (laughs) AI And here we
0: go In Rastafarianism Kenny gets one Thank you Zion is a term used To refer to Africa As a symbol for freedom Justice And and oh, equality. There you go, Bob Marley fans. Good on your Bob Marley. There you go. In general, Zion is often associated with ideas of hope, promise, and the fulfillment of divine prophecy. Wow. Wow. Those GPT are, does is, it again. <laughs> <laughs> so now we know what Zion is. <laughs>
1: Now the other chapter, we'll leave that there because that was a that was was great. another long bit. That was great. Um,
0: I didn't actually have any questions on two Corinthians two. Let's just have, have a quick look. To add about Let's that? just have a quick look at two Corinthians two, see if there might be something that might stick out to us. That's first of all, I read right from the beginning. I decided I wouldn't bring you grief with another painful visit. For if I cause you grief, who will make me glad? So the first thing I would be asking myself if I'm reading that is, another painful visit. What was the first painful visit? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I would dig into that. But I we did
1: number 1, didn't we? No.
0: Number two 1 2 Corinthians 1. We did 2 Corinthians 1. So if you go to the end of 2 Corinthians the end of it. the end of 2 Corinthians it's 2 Corinthians 1. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from severe rebuke. But that doesn't mean I want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. This is the end of chapter yeah. 1. We want to work together with you so that You will be full of all joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. So a bit of context for the Corinthians, and I am spitballing here. This is testing my my AI memory. Um, 1 Corinthians was probably the first letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. There's probably a second letter that we don't have anymore. Um, where it's not Second Corinthians. It's not Second no. Corinthians. No. So I think I think like 1.5 Corinthians. it's like one point five Corinthians. That's the way to put it. Uh, where he brings them a rebuke because of some behaviour that they were doing, which was inappropriate as a church. And he, he actually went across there. It got so he was in he was in Ephesus on the other side of the Aegean Sea in Greece. Which is quite a trek. Um, sorry, in Turkey, and he wanted to jump across. So it's across the sea from Turkey to Greece, heading west. Um, he actually goes across. He gets on a boat and he sails a couple hundred kilometers across to, them to, in to visit them in br- because it got so bad. Basically, it would appear that they were basically telling him, don't bother coming back. Um, we, or some other people had come in and badmouthed him and they basically said, don't come back unless you can bring credentials. And this is the church that he planted. So Paul planted this church. This church turned its back on him. You can imagine his heartache. And he, he said, this is so bad. And he wasn't doing it because he wanted to stand up for his rights. He was deeply concerned about them. So he went across the Aegean. He met with them. It, it didn't go well. Whatever happened, reading wow. between the lines, that meeting didn't go well. He left. But somewhere in the process of them leaving, uh, him leaving, they kind of came to their senses a little bit and realized that they were out of line. Maybe they learned the hard way. And so that Paul writes in this letter. And he goes, I haven't come back again because I, I didn't go well last time. Um, And so he's now wanting to uh, avoid bringing another painful visit. He says, I didn't want to cause you grief. I had to correct a few things. There were some behaviors that were wrong. I wrote to you. See, he says, I wrote that letter in verse four. I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. He can't be referring to the letter of 1 Corinthians there. He's referring to another letter that he has written. 1.5. 1.5.
1: I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. And
0: it it wouldn't be that hard to do a bit of simple research if you're at home listening to this and you just want to get a bit of... You can use GPT. I'm not going to do it now for the sake of time, but you can use GPT and get some framework for different perspectives on this. Um, But it would appear that there was... Paul had a difficult relationship with this church at Corinth. He planted it. It was one of the most vibrant cities in the empire, but uh, there was some big issues in the church.
1: And a certain man in verse five. Yes,
0: so I'm not overstating when I say the man who caused you all the trouble uh, also hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now it's time to forgive him, otherwise he might be overcome by discouragement. Um, I'm trying to badmouth him. I yes, I'm just trying to recall whether or not this is a different man to the one. I think there's a reference to a man in First Corinthians who this is where a bit of confusion comes is a reference to a man in first corinthians who basically is uh sleeping with his stepmother oh wow and um paul rebukes them for that but i think the scholars kind of uh think that's not this reference to this there's something else going on this guy that he's referring to has caused a bit of grief and paul is reaching out and saying to them i want you to um I, i you know i want you to to know my heart for you. My heart has always mm. been for you. And in fact, he's so upset. He says in verse 12, I came to Troas, which is right up in the north of Turkey, where, modern, where the ancient city of Troy is. I came there. I wanted to preach the good news of Christ there because God had opened a door, but I couldn't find any peace because I didn't know whether or not you had accept, accepted me back. I, my heart was uh. for you. Even though he's away, he doesn't have Skype, he doesn't have... Send an email. He can't send an email. He just needs to know what's going on in Corinth? These are my, these are my children. These are, these are people I care about and I just don't know. I have no, no peace of mind because I haven't heard from Titus yet. He hadn't arrived to tell me. So I left there, jumped across to Macedonia and went looking for him. I mean, t- he basically jumps across the, the north of the Aegean Sea just trying to find out news about Corinth. And he says, but thank God. I finally found out about him and Titus came and he told me what wonderful news you bring that you... You know that you. I think it's here where he says that, or might even be chapter three, where he finally says, "I heard good news. Everything's okay. I'm glad Mm. about it." So, as you read Second Corinthians, hear Paul's heart for he, as a pastor, for those he leads.
1: The guy never didn't rest much, did he?
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) he's always on the move. (laughs) He's got a lot of words too, like you. Yeah.
1: If only we could do a podcast with Paul.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, oh, I have so many questions. I'd ask that to you.
1: <laughs> You'd be on the other side. Oh, I'd, I'd be on made. the other
0: side, just gobsmacked by, by his level of wisdom. I'd go, Paul, I don't get it. Start again. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Very slowly. <laughs> Very slowly.
1: We're going to move on now to Thursday, the twenty seventh, and I'm I'm going to sing a little song, podcasters. Come on, because Psalm twenty three is like my um, it's my favourite psalm. Mm. I I love it. Take me in. So Paul Kelly, Paul Kelly, yes, did grow up a Christian but lost his faith. But he got a lot of his lyrics from Bibles. In his hotel rooms. Right. Gideon Bibles. Get in Bibles. Mm. Meet me in the and he wrote a song called Meet Me in the Middle of the Air, which is based on Psalm twenty three. the air. I'm trying to talk and life at the same time. I'm trying to get the lyrics. Oh, you're trying to get the lyrics up for yeah. the song. But I just like the way he words this, so I'm gonna talk
0: about, talk amongst yourselves out there, podcasters, and do right, we i go. go.
1: i got to get the the key. <laughs> I am your true shepherd, I will lead you there beside still waters, come and meet me in the middle of the air, I will meet you in the middle of the air, I will lay you down in pastures green and fair every soul shall be restored i will meet them in the middle of the air come and meet me in the middle of the air through the lonesome valley my rotten staff you'll be fear not death's dark shadow come and meet me in the middle of the air I will meet you in the middle of the air With oil I shall anoint you A table shall I prepare Your cup will runneth over Come and meet me in the middle of the air I will meet you in the middle of the air In my house you'll dwell forever You shall not want for care, surely goodness and mercy will follow you, come and meet me in the middle of the air, I will meet you in the middle of the air. There you go. I was a bit nervous then, I was really clutching that microphone. Yeah, amazing Kenny, (laughs) amazing. But I do like that song. Awesome. So that was my singing psalm 23. Amazing, Kenny. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I, I feel like it's uh, a psalm that as a, when I became like a Christian again, it was just something that I held on to a lot yeah. as I was going through. I don't know, for any new Christians out there that have maybe been living in the world, and you're struggling with one foot in the world and one foot in church that psalm to me was like a, hey you're in the right place i've got you how you did
0: know? it how did it tell me tell me how that did that for you
1: well i already knew of the song but then i would just because I, I, I used to get upset because i felt like i was i was a new christian but i was still sort of doing the wrong thing right a lot yeah and i used to feel very guilty but then that psalm to me was like, I love you, you know, I'm laying you down. It's I'm the Lord comfort, isn't it? Which, yeah. It's comforting me that that me being aware that I have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, or, wh- you know, one foot in the heart of Jesus, I guess, yeah, yeah. was that you're walking in the right direction. You're on a path. Yep. And that... Um, you've been shepherded yeah. by shepherd yeah even you know. even
0: when you're off track he's yeah, right. like comfort. Every, no, no, no,
1: nobody's perfect so yeah. um, well I your
0: rod and your staff there's a there's a concept in which they are they're comforting shepherd's mm. tools but there's a, they're also there to knock you back onto the track you know they would, if it. the sheep was getting off track the shepherd cared enough to give you a bit of a knock and push you back in place again so that's, it. that's what he was doing it's more about I guess it's Back to the story of judges, it's more about um, God's hanging on to us tighter than we think. Yeah. Even when we.
1: And He's always there, gently. Yeah. And if you make a mistake, He'll just.
0: Amen. Use his rotten stuff to pull you back. Amen. So isn't that e- isn't that encouraging? Yeah, that I love it. That is the nature of our God. That He's not out to punish. He's out to redeem. Yeah. He's out to bring you back onto the straight and narrow. That's and that the story of the Old Testament
1: time and time again. And just over. I and think over, it still yeah.
0: happens to us, Kenny. I and as,
1: as I've been going over the Bible in 90 days, as yep. Rowan and I have, I, I've, I've slipped a bit this time, but I'm nearly there again.
0: Come on, brother. Keep when I going.
1: get to that Psalm 23, I just let out a big, deep
0: breath. <sighs> Beautiful. I let just it soak it encourage it in. you. Yeah. yeah. And God's there. Even in the middle of your enemies, he's preparing a table of blessing. What a faithful God we serve. A hundred percent. Amen.
1: Thursday, the 27th, our other chapter was 2 Corinthians 5.
0: 2 Corinthians 5, okay. New bodies, it says in my version. Mm. All right. So my question,
1: without reading at all here, one of my questions was um, what type of clothing are we talking about? Because <laughs> they talk...
0: Let's talk of about
1: clothings in here. What type of clothing? We grow wearing in our... and bodies. We grow in our present bodies... And we long to put on our heavenly bodies yep. like new clothing. Okay. But we will put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies while we live in these earthly bodies. I think the other um, interpretation I read had clothing instead of bodies. Yeah. And tents.
0: Yeah, tents. So he's using analogies. So remember the context is he's speaking to a people who are doing it hard, who are suffering. And so he's, he's showing them, he's basically pointing them forward, saying, guys, hang in there, stay faithful. It might seem hard right now. This earthly tent is going to die. It might feel like you're dying. It yeah, yeah. might yeah. feel like this earthly tent will be taken down. But he's contrasting the temporary tent that we live in now and the life we live with the eternal house, Ooh, an yeah. eternal body made for us. So yes, at one hand, he's talking about the spiritual body and all that kind of stuff. On another hand, he's just wanting to bring encouragement to them and say, yes, things are hard, but but It's temporary. There's a lot of link between 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is what they call the resurrection chapter. It's an entire chapter that almost builds a doctrine on what the resurrection is all about. And there's a lot of overlap here with 2 Corinthians 5. So he's speaking to
1: them in their language. Like he's making it clear to them about what they're going through and what their lives look like.
0: Yeah. So verse 2, we grow weary in our present bodies. and We long for our heavenly bodies. Yeah. We'll put on our heavenly bodies we're not going to be spirits without bodies and he's, so he's giving them some doctrine so probably it's just for the sake of one thing i could pull out of this to help our listeners is that this couple with first corinthians 15 does build a good um, a good strategy a good theology around what resurrection means okay resurrection this hope that we have this great resurrection as we record this we're coming up towards easter you're listening to it after easter but we had this great hope that as Christ was resurrected from the dead, we too will be resurrected from the dead. That these earthly bodies will be swallowed up with immortal bodies. And that is not that we'll be floating around in clouds disjointed from our earthly bodies, but that somehow God in his masterful way will will take our earthly frail bodies and breathe a new life into them so that our resurrected body will be the same and different to our current earthly bodies blowing my mind again so in first corinthians <laughs> 15 he talks about it being like a seed he said a seed goes into the ground and maybe it sprouts up some wheat yeah and uh, let me ask you this question if 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 a seed goes into the ground yep. and comes up as wheat is it still the same essence as the original seed that went into it
1: Ooh. wow interesting i'm i'm seeing uh like a silkworm turning into a butterfly. Okay, here's another example, <laughs> like a, metam- a metamorphosis. Because obviously they are. Yes. But, yes, but there uh, is a metamorphosis. That's right. And yeah, that so happens so in there, in, in, the so d- in the that's the or analogy. The soil, yeah.
0: So that's the analogy Paul's picking up here in two Corinthians five. He's saying, in one hand it's the same, another hand it's so much better. Wow. So and it. we would know, and our horticulturalists would know that it's the same DNA in that seed of wheat that becomes the. St- it's the same root DNA. Yep. And yet it's the same and different. Mm. It's much more glorious. And Paul is saying in that same way, your earthly, your heavenly body, your resurrected body, the thing you cling on, that keeps you going through the hard times, it's going to be the same, but so much more glorious. Well, that's a comfort. It is a comfort. And that's, what, <laughs> that's exactly what Paul's wanting to encourage them with. Verse yeah. 6, we're confident that even though we, as long as we, as, we're confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. We're confident. In the NIV it says, live by faith, not not by by sight. sight. That's in the song. It is in many songs. Yep. Pastor Phil Pringle, (laughs) I walk by faith. (laughs) That's the one. Yep, that's the one. Yes, we're fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies than be at home with the Lord. So whether we're in this body or away from this body, we want our goal to be to please God. Mm. One day we're all going to stand and be judged and we're going to receive whatever we deserve for what we've done in this earthly body. So hang tight, he's saying, keep faithful. I like
1: this one. I wrote in here that I always, it sounds like he's actually speaking to me, but then I always forget that he's speaking to the Corinthians because this one is like, he's yeah, it's actually personal. speaking to us. You know? I think I might've
0: touched on this uh, in an earlier podcast. I mentioned it's Jeannie and I, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was John Walton, uh, a, a um, Old Testament Bible scholar who's teaches at Wheaton College in Illinois. And he says, the Bible is written for us, not to us. And that, so that makes it, rel- we've got to read it through the context of yep. who it was written to, but it's relevant to you, Kenny. It's, it's relevant to you through that context.
1: A bit further down, there is a therefore in verse 17. And I've been learning that whenever it says therefore, it means that something bigs. Yep. To come, yeah. well, so it's a bit of a cliche they the say "Whatever it says
0: therefore you have to ask what's it there for
1: <laughs> in the, and I, my niv version it says if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here all this is from god who reconciled that's called just up there it says something about reconciliation doesn't it yep it does yeah
0: so we say all of this what is that there for well let's put it back in its entire context it says Therefore, if anyone belongs to Christ, they are a new person. Old life is gone. New life has come. Let's put it back into the context of what we were reading at the start of this chapter. What was he talking about? Old bodies?
1: Oh, yeah. The new tents bodies. And the
0: tents and houses. <laughs> and bodies. So in one sense, he's saying, if you're in Christ, you're already living with the new body. You might not have the out full out working of it yet. Yep. Yeah. The new life has begun. It says in the New King James, it's, sorry, in the new, new Living Translation. It doesn't say this, therefore, it says verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has already become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So he's, he's encouraging us to now change our thinking and live from the new way. Live in light of resurrected bodies. Live in light of eternity, mm. not in light of the temporal satisfaction. Of our physical bodies and our desires here and now.
1: I could imagine that, that would be a bit confronting for some people. I'm like, how can I do that? You know, yeah, or hard to get a grasp of. Yeah. Um, especially if you're going through struggles or mm. a new Christian or something, that sounds like a bit airy
0: fairy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's a process. I know in my life it's a process over time of learning to. Um, pray through and remind myself Mm. and renew myself in God's word that this life is temporary. These, these, like these pressures, these struggles, Paul says are light and momentary troubles. Mm. And it's just reminding myself that in the end, um, I have something much bigger to live for. Yeah. And that process over time changes our thinking and matures us so that we aren't as swayed by momentary stuff, we yep. still are, and we still will be. There are days when it's hard. There are days when it's so hard, you think, oh, what's I the I like point?
1: looking back on the struggles, and, and when I was in them saying, oh, you know, get me through this, God, now I look back, and I see how he did get me through them. Yeah. And at the time, they were huge. I yeah. the, hip, the chronic hip pain, I yep. thought I would never get through it. Yep. And now I, I run, and yep. I look back and go, That's look, awesome. what, look what's happened. And yeah. Got, you know, Some people would say, God didn't get you through it, but I've, leaned on him yeah. the whole way through.
0: Well, I, I would those say that, trials, you know? I would say that God did get you through that. I mean, yeah, you used medical science helped you through that, but but you've become a you've become a better person because of I those become hardships. A new creature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, become a new creature. <laughs> new, a new, creation. <laughs> new creation, exactly. <laughs> That's good. Second Corinthians five, verse <laughs> seventeen. Yep. I like that one. It's a good one.
1: Friday, the 28th. We're nearly at the end of the week of we the comforter. Wow, I haven't even got into this, but my first question, so Psalm 91. Oh yeah, the My first care question psalm. was, is this
0: hypocritical?
1: Tell <laughs> I me. To, I need
0: to have a bit of a read. <laughs> psalm 91, what is hypocritical? I'm intrigued. Kenny? This is the psalm that is often used in... Pastoral yeah, care by well, bedsides in hospitals. Yeah,
1: well, is it his? He, I think, I was thinking. Whoever dwells in the shelter, of the mo- will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say, the Lord is my refuge and fortress. Surely so he'll save you from the foulest snare, from deadly pestilence. Pestilence.
0: So it's a great promise of God's protection in the midst of hard times.
1: Yeah, I think the hypocritical part was that hard times do come to ah, us. Like I it see. says that he will protect us from the, you yeah, know, but I they see. do come. But they and do people come. people do yeah. get bad diseases. Yes. Good Bad things do happen to good people. So in my mind, I was like, this is uh, with you. a promise, but it sounds hypocritical because it doesn't come true for a lot of people apart from the fact that if you believe in Jesus, you'll, you know.
0: I think you just answered your own question because yeah. I've, I've actually prayed this psalm over people right on their deathbed in hospital, like within wow. within hours of their death. Wow. i done that a couple of times. Um, that makes me read it from a whole different perspective. Yes, it does because it, sa- it almost does sound hypocritical. To th- If you only take this at face value, then it is hypocritical, isn't it? Yeah. But you answered your question when you said, I know that in Christ there's ultimate... Freedom and ultimate healing and ultimate peace, uh, whether that's by life or by death. And I think that's the way to read Psalm 91. Uh, read it with that oh. understanding that God, this is God's desire. We live in a fallen world, and we, we live in a world that has not yet fully seen the coming of God's kingdom. The kingdom has started to come. Remember we read in Second Corinthians five just then? Yep. The new life has begun.: Yes. So if you're a follower of God, of Jesus, the new life has begun. The future kingdom with the protection from deadly disease, having him cover you. Your, all this protection language in Psalm 91, protected from the terrors of the night and the arrows in the day and all that. These evils
1: will not touch you. Yeah,
0: well, we all know evils touch us, don't we? Yeah. So I think there's a sense in which this psalm can be read in light of the now and the not yet. In the not yet, we haven't yet seen the fulfillment of this psalm, but we live in a time where we can reach forward in faith and claim these promises for mm-hmm. over our lives. And even if we do die, even if these diseases do befall us, they will not ultimately conquer us. Because as 1 Corinthians 15 says, in the previous resurrection chapter that I was referring to, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death is your victory. Where, O oh, death is your sting. So I would suggest reading Psalm 91 mm. in conjunction with the final verses of 1 Corinthians 15. Never thought about that, but there you go. Oh, that
1: is a good, it's a great analogy. Um, and, and in verse nine, it says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, then no uh, evil will conquer." Yeah, there you go. Even. So there's an if there. There's yeah. a, it's
0: a conditional thing upon, tri- and even that means that even though, the, so no plague will come near your home. Well, the plague might come near your home. You might be affected by it, but ultimately the plague will not have uh, victory over you. It's
1: like I jumped to conclusions at the start of it. It becomes very beautiful. They'll hold you up. That talks about these angels protecting you, holding you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone
0: and that is the very scripture that we read in the new testament that that's the very verse that you just quoted there that the devil uses to tempt Jesus and says throw yourself off the temple for it is written he will give his angels charge over you and you will not even strike your foot against the stone wow. so the devil's using in a hypocritical he scripture way too. he does <laughs> and in that hypocritical way he's going oh come on your god can your god says he'll do this and even Jesus Says, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. That's not what this psalm's about. I'm not going to throw myself off and be stupid. Yeah. I trust that my father will protect me. And Jesus died on the cross. He gave up his life and still trusted in his father's ability to protect him. Wow. So, in one sense, you could say that it did come, death did come to Jesus, but ultimately death didn't defeat Jesus. Mm. And I would read Psalm 91 in light of that when yep. you read it.
1: Okay. That's.
0: Make it into a comforting psalm. Already
1: I'm saying it differently.
0: Great. Good. That's what I love.
1: I like it. It even goes on, like verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. Amen. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Mm. Boom. Yeah, beautiful psalm. I could drop this mic right now. You could. (laughs) right, the other uh, chapter for this was Revelation 7. Oh, Revelation. Wow, you know, you have to throw one of them in, don't you? Oh,
0: yes, we've (laughs) got to get into Revelation. What is Revelation 7 about and what was your question?
1: Well, oh, yeah, okay. I see my heading. Let me just start by conversations I've had (laughs) maybe before I became a Christian about Revelations and, and saying that I wonder how many magic mushies these people were finding <laughs> on the mountains. <laughs> it's I to it say it that in podcast land? <laughs> it's crazy, you know? It's very crazy. There's a lot
0: of strange dreams and visions in the Bible, isn't there? Mm.
1: Um, one of my questions was, what is the seal of the living God
0: in verse 2? Is it got the seal? I saw another angel coming from the east carrying, carrying seal the seal of, the living, of God. the living God. What is a seal in other than, uh, 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 not well, that kind of seal?
1: When I was in the transport industry, we used to seal the trucks so that they couldn't be broken into. Yep. 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 So, have, so, security seal? Yep, security yep. seal. And yep. what does
0: a security seal represent? Uh, it can see safety. that it's been broken. Yep. Safety? Yep. Yeah, okay. And yep. if
1: it's broken, you can yep. tell that it's been broken. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, the etymology of that word would be along the same lines as what an ancient seal was. A seal was, you see this in the movies, for instance, if, uh, let's say, um, a king wants to dispatch a oh, message, the signet ring, the signet ring right? Uh, so they would yeah. put a bit of wax on the envelope and match it. And it was a seal. And just like the security seal, if that seal was broken, you knew that it was not legitimate. You know, it had been tampered with, just like you're working on the trucks seal, yep. same etymology there. But that seal also carried with it its own authority. It represent, to, to to be given the seal of someone else was to be given absolute authority. To operate on behalf of that person. Yep. So, does would that make sense?
1: Would it be it? on their, when it says uh, the seal of the living God is a point, would it be on their heart or would it actually be I,
0: something I actually th-
1: on a human body that you could see or can it be? Well, this is, into, figurative, this is you know? figurative language, yeah. but
0: I, I would read it at face value in that yeah. in that context, To talking to Greco Roman culture. They knew that a seal was probably your signet ring. And that then became the thing that the person could represent the authority. So I think it would be fine. I may be be wrong here and it could go deeper, but I think it would be fine. What I see in my mind's eye is this picture of this that John saw, the picture of this angel carrying the signet ring that represented the living God. Therefore, whatever he's about to do, he's about to do with the full backing and authority of the living God. So he shouts to the four angels who've been given power. Yeah. Wait, don't harm the sea or the land until the tree, the, and the trees, until we've placed the seal on the foreheads of all his servants. So he is saying, hold back the judgment. I have the seal. You have to do what I say. Hold back the judgment. I'm going to go around. I'm going to seal all God's people. I'm going to melt wax onto their forehead. They're going to they're going to carry my seal. They're going to be. Secure. Remember, seal means security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm gonna. I want to secure my children before judgment comes. I think that's Would the, the mark time.
1: of the beast have been a different seal?
0: Uh yeah. Well, we're getting into heavy stuff <laughs> there, <laughs> no. Mark of the Beast. That's not getting um, that heavy. But I, I think it probably was. Yeah, I think it represents. The, the analogy is that it's representing some kind of uh, a different seal, representing a. different was a good for me.
1: Yep, good. I like that.
0: Yeah. Now. And all I would say, Kenny, yes. I may be wrong here, but this is this is what I would do, just for your listeners out there. Yep. Just a simple pr- practical tip. Your question was, well, let, let, let's just do it again. We've already done one of these, but let's before we close up today. Yep. Let's do that. What was the passage again? It's uh, Revelation 7. What and is the seal of the living God of the in verse two of Revelation 7. God in Revelation. And uh, now I'm going to do this in chat GPT, but you could do the same in Google. You just would have to go searching for your answers. But let's see what. In Revelation 2 7, this is what GPT says. The seal of oh, the Revelation God. 7, verse oh, 2. Oh, Revelation 7 2. Yeah, 7 2. Uh, sorry, I meant <laughs> Rev 7 2. <laughs> Rowan is talking like a robot. <laughs> He's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let me try again. Sorry, I meant. Re- oh, it's. Stop generating that. I wrote 722. I'm in a rush. 722. In this passage, the seal of the living God is again mentioned, but in a different context. Here the seal is on the angel who comes from the east and is given authority over the four uh, angels. The seal represents authority and power that the angel has been given by God to carry out his will. The seal is a symbol of ownership and protection as in the previous passage which was the wrong one I quoted. We just (laughs) must have mentioned the seal in Revelation 2 as well. As in the previous passage we discussed, those who were sealed by God belong to him and are under his protection. So basically, mm, like GPT that. has given you the answer that I have given you. Yeah. Um, and if you could do the same just by Googling it and then searching through commentaries and all that, GPT has actually collated all the information on the internet. I'm saying that to show you that any of these questions you come up with, I'm probably doing ourselves out of a podcast here, aren't we? Because, <laughs> because you can ask the internet for these questions. And... Um, Bear in mind, not everything you read on the internet is perfect, and even GPT is not 100% perfect, but um, it's a good, I found it to be a good starting point, and um, it, it's just a good way to generate some thinking in your mind. You're still going to come up with the questions. Though. You've got to come up with the questions. Don't podcast people? Well, actually, you don't even have to do that either, because you could go GPT, you could go, give me 10 <laughs> questions that I could ask if I was hosting a podcast out of Revelation chapter 7, and you get 10 questions. I still haven't used it yet, Ron. <laughs> yeah. So you could do that if you wanted to as well.
1: Even though used to, there was a song written about it. Uh, you, asked, you told me to write a song with it, didn't you? Yes, I did tell you to <laughs> write a song with it.
0: But, you know, you've done a great job with asking your questions anyway, Kenny. You got any more for today? I
1: do. Um, it's about verse 4 and the 144,000. Thousand. Yep, sure. It's, it's, I'm sure a lot of people ask about that Sure. One, do we
0: they? take this literally?
1: Well, then it goes on to break it down, doesn't it? It does.
0: 12,000 from here, 12,000 from that tribe, 12,000 from the 12 I guess tribes. I've
1: heard from, is it Jehovah's Witnesses or
0: yep, they Jehovah's believe Witnesses. that
1: there's only 144,000 spots in heaven?
0: Uh, they actually believe there's 144,000 spots um, on the earth, I think. I think that's what they were. They, they are taking it literally. Um, lots of new, lots of evangelical people who Subscribe to left behind theology. The books left behind. Did you ever read those books? No, nope. So probably when you're not walking with the Lord, Kenny. Okay, but best selling books, and I loved the left behind books, and used to ascribe to that theology. I don't necessarily subscribe to subscribe to that theology anymore. So I'm much more willing to recognise that the book of Revelation was written to seven churches at the time of Rome at, the t- at a certain time yeah. that were underneath were facing situations in the Roman Empire facing persecution that was written the to seven encourage them that are broken down in the, 12, in the first four chapters. No, the first oh, four no. chapters, there's seven churches. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Playa Tira. Uh, there's seven churches that are mentioned right in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation.
1: Oh, There's a lot more than that in the 12,000. Yeah, these are, are tribes.
0: Down. So my simplest answer, and I don't presume to be an expert on this, but I think where I would fall at the moment with 144,000 is the fact that that is is twelve times 12 in the Bible 12 always represents governance so there are 12 tribes of Israel
1: I have questions uh, on numbers in our next podcast sure okay so there are 12
0: 12 is a sign of governance there are 12 tribes there are 12 elders there are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes so this is like 12 times 12 this is this is a picture of absolute governance So I think that this is saying these 144,000 isn't a literal 144,000 people sealed from a certain national group. This is a picture of God's people being given supreme governmental authority. This is a picture of God's people actually fulfilling what they were supposed to do in Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 2 when God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful fill the earth, reign over it, subdue it, and exercise governance on my behalf. And God is saying there's coming a time when God's people will actually fulfill that.
1: He's like rounding it out.
0: Rounding it out, filling the story out. So that's, that's one way to interpret it. Please don't think that if you interpret it differently that that's the only way. But that's where I sit these days. I did
1: notice that at the end, like in verse 9, it goes straight on and says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, yep. from every nation and tribe and people language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. So yeah. there's obviously a lot more people. There's a lot more than 144,000. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> So with the book of Revelation, and we'll have to do some conversation on Revelation at some other point in, in the podcast, I'm sure during the year when we come to it, um, it really warrants its own podcast. There's some great conversations out there. So... If you hit us up, if you you need some pointers in the right direction, those that are listening about the Book of Revelation, I can recommend a few things. Um, but it's it's a it's a very book open to conjecture and different schools of thought around whether or not, basically, how much do you take literally and how much is it is it a deeply rich um, uh, vision that's supposed to be weird but supposed to represent other things? And you'll often find that. Um, nearly on every page if not every page of the book of revelation there is constant throwbacks to the old testament yes, yes. And, and when you go back to the old testament and get a picture of what that throwback is it sort of illuminates more meaning yeah. to the book of revelation I know
1: a lot of people th- feel very strongly about revelation oh yeah, uh, it it's, does it's a, it's a Hard one for me to even talk about because I haven't done the research.
0: No. So. And a lot of people are very, my experience is most of the people I've been around are very fiercely um, loyal to the traditional, not traditional, but the, the pre-tribulational, pre, uh, pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture view, which is that, you know, that, that's the left behind theology. Yeah. And, you know, and people will live and die by the sword on that. Um, I used to. I, I just see scripture differently now. I'm not saying that isn't the case. I, I'm much more concerned that, I, I actually don't think it's the case, but that's beyond the scope of this podcast. But I, I don't think that view that I used to hold dearly and and religiously is probably the the best view. I, I'd stop short of saying I'm 100% right on that, but I feel I don't think it is the, the right way to view the book of Revelation anymore. I think it should be written as a com- read as a comforting book, not a book to scare, It's supposed to be a book to comfort God's people in the middle of hardships and trials.
1: I think that's a beautiful way to round out this podcast. Thanks, Kenny. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. Thanks, mate. And I think I'm lucky enough to be a part of the next one Next one as well,
0: which is actually we're going to record right now. So we'll
1: talk to you next week. Signing off for now.